speak the charm of make charm of make charm There will come a time on the planet Earth when science and technology will be long forgotten. When wizards will rule the world. This is the Arnamancy Podcast. Exploring esotericism, tarot, magic, and the occult. I am Reverend Eric. And you have a cool superpower. Oh, which one is that? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, I can't believe I said that. No, I really don't know what you're talking about. T. Susan Chang, who's a co-host of uh, an excellent podcast about tarot called Fortune's Wheelhouse, and the author of a somewhat new... I mean, it's pretty new. It's only like six months yeah, old. Yeah, it's, it's six months old, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah it's called Tarot Cor- Correspondences, Ancient Secrets for Everyday Readers uh, from Llewellyn. It's a Indeed. big book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can hurt your toe if you drop it. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining me today, Susie. I gotta say, I'm a huge fan of Fortune's Wheelhouse, and um, in addition to be like, it's one of those podcasts where every episode is so packed full of information. But the thing that really makes it nice is that you and your co-host Mel are incredible to listen to. Like you guys have such a good time, and you're always making oh, each other laugh. Sweet. And you guys <laughs> both have such great podcasting voices. I would rate you probably like five out of five poke onions. In terms oh of- man! <laughs> well, that's really sweet. Thank you so much for for inviting me here. First of all, because I've really been enjoying talking to you offline, and mm-hmm. uh, I've been looking forward to this. So yeah, and the podcast is just uh, yeah. I mean, if you can't laugh while you're doing this kind of thing, there's something seriously wrong. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so you guys are on season three, right? So so your theme yeah. was you ran through the major arcana, you ran through all the minor arcana. In one go. Yeah. (laughs) Over a year. So now what? That was season two. So now we're kind of going laterally uh, through the deck. So it's sort of like, you know, we kind of covered all of the material once through card by card so that everyone has it. They can just, you know, draw your card of the day and go listen to the episode. So, um so we had to do that systematically. But now what we're doing is sort of saying, okay, we have um different lenses through which to go through the deck laterally. So, for example, we can look at it through a Kabbalah lens. We can look at it through a, a, a astrological lens, an elemental lens, a, you know, animals, myth, colors, mm-hmm. shapes, whatever, Legos. But uh, <laughs> it's just sort of like, let's try and do all the comparison that we didn't have time to do in the original 78 episodes. So right now we're doing a sequence of seven planetary, traditional Uh planetary episodes. We were going to go Saturn, Jupiter, uh, Mars, Sun, Venus, Mercury, Moon in Chaldean descending order, but nobody wanted to start it with Saturn. So so we decided to go the opposite way. We started with the moon. (laughs) Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's that's actually fascinating. I, um, one of the ways that I look at tarot, uh, is I guess through kind of like a grid system where I look at the suit and then the number. So like I look at, mm-hmm. you know, how how the numbers are represented similarly in each suit and then that allows me to just pick up any deck and use it. 
Um, exactly. That's how I feel about it. I mean, as long as you have your own sort of systematic understanding mm -hmm. of what should be in a tarot deck and your understanding of the world matches up with that, you can use any tarot deck. Yeah. But yours mm -hmm. goes deep. Like you've got, you know, I mean, um, one of the things that I find really impressive about, about all the stuff you guys talk about is you go like into the astrological decans and, um, yeah, and, the decans are a bit of a hobby horse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you and I, I just listened to um some of your minor arcana episodes today, and you were getting into like the picatrix stuff out of the you know. So oh yeah, that's yeah. kind of nuts. Like, how are you? How are you finding it? Do you find that the that the the Picatrix Deccan stuff and the existing Deccan stuff that you got out of like, what was it? Golden Dawn, probably. Yeah. It's do all they, Golden Dawn based. Mm -hmm. Do they work together well? So yeah, the, uh, <laughs> the, they, it's interesting. It's consistently interesting is what I have to say. So, so it's not a like, you know, the further you get into this stuff and you know, this, mm -hmm. the further you get into it, the more complex and not matchy match it is, oh, right? Nothing, yeah. nothing aligns. I mean, you're, you're trying to figure out, you know, um, which planet goes with which, um, a double letter, right? Mm -hmm. mm, forget it, forget it. You know, there's like 12 different versions, right? So, you know, so it's always a, this sort of compromise between respecting the specificity of the source material and trying to draw some connections so you can use it in your own practice, right? Mm -hmm. So as for the Deccans, so I think it's like what happened was that I started getting into Picatrix and Agrippa writing the book because, you know, you start doing correspondences and all of a sudden, well, you know, I'm doing all of these sort of normal astrological Kabbalistic golden dawn correspondences but then i wanted to do like the natural ones and the plants and the smells and etc mm -hmm. etc et and you can't just use 777 so of course you use 777 but you want to see where it comes from and you right. want to see like why is there some sort of through line is there some kind of context that makes sense you know through the centuries so oh, so you then go, you got into agrippa and you go back yeah <laughs> and yeah, you, yeah yeah and yeah. then agrippa <laughs> leads you to the picatrix and then you're screwed <laughs> exactly. And that's that. And yeah, but the Deccans are fascinating. I think there's something fundamentally weird and different about them in terms of, you know, um, I mean, there's something special. And I, I mm -hmm. may just be uh, biased because, you know, um, because the Deccans are well represented in tarot. You know, mm -hmm. if you if you go through the 36 two through 10 numeric minors, you're going to find all 36 decans represented. So that's an obsession, right? That's interesting all on its own. So like right now we're recording this on the last day of the second decan of Gemini. That's the nine of swords. That's interesting. You know, it's interesting to see in what ways that card comes up. Wait, which one you know? of us do you think is going to be the... <laughs> <laughs> doesn't sound very very uh, uh, reassuring to me <laughs> <laughs> well you know the thing about like okay so this is just i'm sorry we're gonna get like totally off topic in two seconds because that's the way i am but you can just pull me back on in whenever you like but this is the thing that i love about tarot which is that it's sort of lich. so whatever you get you fucking stick with it right you know you get the card and you live with it last year i got I got the friggin' five of discs 31 times. You know, the five of pentacles. Was was it like sticky or something? <laughs> <laughs> it was not sticky and I was using, you know, three dozen decks. Oh, jeez. So, you know, yeah. And 
And uh, and I was just thinking about that today and thinking, okay, well, that forces you to expand your understanding of the card to accommodate and to understand why it is the way it is. It's not a purely bad or purely good card. It's not a card that's just about impoverishment. There's like all sorts of angles into it. And the work of doing something like looking at the uh, the uh, the Deccan correspondence for Taurus 1, which is mm-hmm. what goes with the Five of Pentacles, forces you to say, oh, well, you know, there's probably something more to this. There's probably something that's, uh, you know, that's that's a little bit more complex and forces you to look deeper into it. And eventually, once you've confronted all of them, they're not there's none that you can't get something out of, right? There's none that you can't make work for you in one way or another. Oh, sure. So, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think I see that. You know, I don't, I honestly, um, you know, I've been working with tarot for decades, but <laughs> uh, I don't have, I, I really like, I haven't dove into it as deep as you have. So when I, when I look at like the amount of time that you spent on each card, the amount of time you spent on the, connections between them i'm kind of jealous i'm kind of like why wasn't i doing that (laughs) because you're doing other interesting things i'm like every time i hear like a a magician or someone who's like you know been a shinto initiate or Mm -hmm. you know or gone and done an ayahuasca journey or something i'm like what the fuck am i doing with my time you know (laughs) but the thing is that you you can't do it all right and the thing is i know it's it's... we cram for those episodes too you know we cram like it's exam and I don't remember all that stuff. You know, I'll be listening back and I'll be like, gee, this is fascinating. What a great podcast (laughs) because it's gone, you know, a week after we record. (laughs) You guys do not give that impression at all. You totally give the impression of like having these encyclopedic minds where, where, you know, you're just sort of like, oh, yeah. And the color with this is, of course. (laughs) Yeah, well, there is a little bit of that going on. I mean, Mm -hmm. Mel is almost like a savant with the color. Mm -hmm. And I do know my Deccans back and forth. That's true. (laughs) And you have a cool superpower. Uh, Which one is that? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God, I can't believe I said that. No, I really don't know what you're talking about. So, (laughs) Um, I I read that down. (laughs) Uh, It's the superpower is making me sound like a dick. (laughs) (laughs) You're not supposed to figure that out until later. (laughs) Um, No, your superpower with the, uh, the, the, the music, you can just make any noise. Oh yes, that's right. Yes, <laughs> yes. Have, yes. Uh, one of the one of uh, my friends when I told them I was interviewing you, they were like, "You should just pull random cards and make her and see if she can do a random <laughs> song." I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> all right. <laughs> uh, well, the thing is that it's like it's it's interesting, but it's not interesting because mm-hmm. at, you know when you the the spectrum is just we only have you know twelve tones, so it's yeah, not. But Johnny Cash could only make three. Well. <laughs> <laughs> and it's all like pegged to color too in terms yeah. of the correspondence so it's kind of you know it's a nice gimmick is what i like to think of it i think it's, but you know it's what i used to do better than a gimmick. I used to, uh, it's 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 interesting yeah, right it's like yeah. it's just like everything else it's like you take a set of these seven and these seven and these seven and you just mash them all together and see what happens and it's magic it's literally magic but uh, mm. yeah, no, it's it's interesting. I used to tune my friends' guitars over the phone, but I think they now have better ways to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, especially if you have to go to like really high or really low notes. I don't know if the telephone can do those. 
I want to I want to ask you about the the word sortilege. Like it's something that I guess I've heard in relation to tarot a lot, but I've always just sort of ignored it or pretended like I knew what it meant. Can you talk about that word a little bit? Like what is sortilege? Yeah. So sortilege is basically any form of divination that's based on randomness. So, you know, the I Ching is sortilege. Oh, um, knuckle bones are sortilege. Okay. Runes are sortilege. Um, I assume etymologically it's cognate with sort. I don't know. But yeah. um, so it's you'd kind think of so. Like everything but astrology. I guess you could put it that way. I mean, anything that's chance based that mm-hmm. involves. Yeah, that involves picking something out of a pool. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, Yeah, I've 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 wondered about that. Like, it seems you know when you when you look at all the different forms of divination, it seems like astrology, in particular, kind of stands apart because, you know, if you know everything well enough and you're tracking everything well enough. You should be able to be like every day, like, oh, I know where the moon's going to be at noon. Oh, I know where the sun's going to be at three o'clock. I could just, you know. Well, yeah. And I think, you know, astrology is a little different that way, um, except horary is maybe mm-hmm. a little less different since that's has a not random, but a chance component to mm-hmm. it. But, um, but you know, but in some ways, astrology is very similar to sortilege forms of divination because each of these methodologies can only give you so much information to work with. And ultimately, there is this interpreter's inter- interface, which is crucial, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like how you work that, how you kind of um, compromise with your rational intellect and how you uh, absorb the information and process it and give it back is something that's unique to every practitioner, I think. But yeah. everybody has to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. All right, so season three of Fortune's Wheelhouse. Um, you're talking about the different lenses that you're looking through. Right, right. Right now we're going through the planets, and we haven't determined what we're going to do next, but I am um, – and we're also going every other week, which mm-hmm. makes it slightly less breakneck. But um, I'm kind of lobbying, and I think Mel's into it too. I'd definitely like to do some applications. So take a question, mm-hmm. read it with esoteric – information and come up with answers for people. So I don't know how we're going to do it, but I think application is something that people have been requesting and I'd like to do it. Has your, has the first episode come out yet? I didn't see it in my, yeah, the moon's out. So, um, yeah, I had to force my, um, my, I had to actually unsubscribe from fortune's wheelhouse and resubscribe to make it show up. I don't know why, but it's there. Okay. Well, I will make sure to try that. Uh, yeah, because the last yeah. one I saw, I think, was your last uh, season two episode. Yeah, yeah, it came out about a week ago. And I don't know why iTunes doesn't always push it, you know, straight through. I found it on all the other servers except the one I use. So go figure. Because eh, iTunes sucks. <laughs> so <laughs> so I, I, when I was, uh, yeah, uh, well, that's. Yeah. So, um, but you're talking about, so like when you do the planetary lens, are you all, how do you keep that from bleeding over into the Kabbalah stuff because they're so closely well, yeah. tied together. So, well, yes and no. I mean, so basically there's a million different ways. Well, no, only like four um, different ways. The moon inflects through mm-hmm. the tarot deck, right? Cause there's the moon that's astrologically related to the high priestess. And then of course you have the, the sign of cancer, which is associated with the chariot. Then you have all of the 
cards of cancer, which are the two, three, and four of cups. And then you have uh, all of the uh, the cards related to the Sephira Yesod, which is the Sephira of the moon in the Hermetic Kabbalah. So mm-hmm. all the nines are also implicated. And also, finally, uh, you have the Queen of Cups because she's associated with the first two, uh, the first two, two decans of Cancer, and mm-hmm. the last uh, decan of whatever we're in, uh, the the uh, Gemini. Yeah, yeah. So you know, so there's like all these different ways, and we basically go through all of them and say, here are the connections between that you can find. So we don't necessarily um, we're looking for to get at something fundamental about the nature of the moon Mm -hmm. so that when you see the moon appearing in these different forms in these different cards it means something to you beyond whatever you came to the card with originally Mm -hmm. something that impacts your understanding of the card so whether it's the the speed of the moon or the variability of the moon or whether it's the um the association of the moon with um darkness or illusion or glamour or dreams or you know news we use the traditional meanings as well as the modern ones so we try to look at each card and see what aspect of the moon it highlights okay that's interesting it's very interesting yeah yeah um so will you later then go through so you all right well hold on so you were also talking about then all of the astrological associations of the moon so you actually go through the signs mm-hmm. that the moon is associated with and, and pull those cards in as well, which yes. I guess you'd have to because the moon itself is kind of limited in the number of it cards. It is. It's directly... it's more limited like the sun. It's limited because mm-hmm. it only has one sign. Right. Yeah. So it's a little bit less. We also did the Mercury episode and woo, that was <laughs> exciting. <laughs> um, but yeah, the worst one will probably be Mars because it has six decans instead of five. But oh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, so it's just interesting to go through, and 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 the the reason it's interesting isn't just um, I don't know up in our brains, but the the symbols are right there on the cards. They're hidden in Rider Waite Smith, and they're explicit in Thoth, but they're there if you look for them. Mm-hmm. And I think that that it helps you as a reader, you know, to be able to have access to that information at some level, maybe not at a really granular level when you're doing a reading for somebody, but it's there somewhere in the mix. Yeah. And I guess it it sort of sounds like you're almost sort of um, crafting a tarot reading, right? So you're sort of almost like pulling out these specific cards from the deck. (laughs) You get a a chance to look at how they relate to each other. And then knowing why you're looking at them gives you a a better picture of how those particular uh, currents run through the deck. That's really interesting to put it that way. I mean, it's sort of like, you know, it's a way of um, looking for relationships, which is what we do in any mm-hmm. tarot spread. It's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, that's I'm really looking forward to hearing you guys talk about that stuff. I might skip season two and go back to it later. <laughs> <laughs> you just use it when you need it, you know? Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's a good point. You It'll know, when you, you mentioned uh, doing a card of the day thing and then going to listen to the Fortune's Wheelhouse episode. That's actually really good. And it also yeah. brings up another just possibly the tarot nerdiest thing that <laughs> I've ever seen, which is your card of the day tracking where you have oh like the God, statistics yeah. and the, and yeah. you know, you know how often cards are getting pulled and all this kind of stuff. And you sort of have like, yes, that's, that's really, it's, 
It's pretty intense. Yeah. And I thought, I think it was just because, well, you know, I, I, I've always, I guess I come from, you know, the kind of background where the stuff shouldn't work. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm sure like you basically Mm -hmm. material, secular upbringing, the stuff shouldn't work. Mm -hmm. I'd like to know statistically how likely it is to work. (laughs) I'd like to know if it's violating that. And Mm -hmm. I remember even 20 years ago, you know, when I met my husband, who was a little bit better with stats than I am, or I was certainly, he, um, he was helping me figure out probabilities. And, but then I wasn't really, you know, as into tarot, Mm -hmm. I guess about four years ago, I said, okay, this is data, and I might as well put it all in one place. So I started this little Excel sheet. And Mm -hmm. all I did was I noted down, you know, what cards I was pulling, I pull two each day, and, uh, and the date, and that Mm -hmm. was oh, in the deck, that was it. And then, you know, as time went on, I realized that Excel is actually a pretty powerful tool. (laughs) So, (laughs) so, so I said, okay, groovy, I'm gonna do a thing where every time I get a sword, it'll have an initial S in it, right? So every time Excel sees that it's gonna turn it yellow. So I could (laughs) see like, I could automatically color code it. Mm-hmm. So that was pretty cool. And then I was like, well, you know, I might as well find out how many times I got the nine of swords, right? Because that can't be that hard. Yeah. So, yeah. So I started like doing the frequencies and then I started doing, well, you know, you, it's not that much harder to figure out how many times you got uh, uh, all the cards of this element mm-hmm. or all the cards of this sign all the cards of this number. <laughs> you know, you see where I'm going, all the cards yeah. related to this planet. <laughs> And you and started it's to see it. And yeah. so what about the statistics? Are you breaking? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, you sent me an example of one of your spreadsheets and it was fascinating to see that you had, you had like seven different combinations that were kind of like popping up more than everything else. Yes, that's true. So I have the, the that part of the spreadsheet is the newest part and the mm-hmm. nerdiest probably. If you, um, if you look at a tarot deck and you draw two cards, each time there are 3,003 possible combinations. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very simple math to do, but you can, but the way it sort of looks is like a vast half, a like a triangle grid, basically mm-hmm. sort of like when you look at an astrology chart and you look at the grid of the planets and aspect to each other, yeah. kind of like that. So, um, so yeah. And I thought, well, how hard would it be to have this, this grid pull out how many instances of each combination I've had? So, it's at the moment I've only gotten 39% of all possible combinations it's all, and it's been four years. So I could be doing this for the rest of my life, you know? Yeah. And still seeing <laughs> duplicates. Wow. That, that does seem unlikely. Yeah. I, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and there are some I've gotten four times. There are seven that I've gotten four times. So, how's that even which possible? seems, well, you know, it's probably I, I'm not equipped to say whether or not that's within like st- in, within probability range. I think mm-hmm. it probably is because like if you get like 365 people in a room, the the likelihood that you know several of them have the same birthday is very high. It's called the birthday paradox. Oh yeah. So yeah, it's, I think yeah. it's even a smaller number than that. It's some sort of really weird low number, like 50. yeah, it's a really yeah. low number. Mm-hmm. It's a really low. So it's something like that is going on. However, I think it's very interesting that like, if I look at the combinations, I've gotten a lot, like the fool and the 10 of wands, that's personally meaningful to me. Right. Cause yeah, that's yeah. a great combination. It's I mean, a really great combination. It's sort of like you have 
a freaking boatload of shit to do. So you better just breathe. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yeah, and uh, the other thing that's really interesting is if you draw two cards a day uh, for every day through the course of a year, within usually five months you'll get um, you'll have gotten every card once. But this mm-hmm. year, no Knight of Wands. I don't know why. It's never waited this long for me to have an outlier card come in. So I guess I've got no, I've got no Air of Fire. Oh, so. well, you know, <laughs> what I do you do think it. that means? I think there is a, a, a sort of a lack of self-promoting enthusiasm. <laughs> I mean, enthusiasm for self-marketing going uh-huh. on, which is actually kind of true. So, you know, that might have something to do with it. <laughs> I'm Self, not, I'm not yeah. the world's most, yeah. I mean, last year I was, it's all fire all the time, but, uh, but this year, yeah, I'm back to, back to the swords channel, which is normal for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That's really interesting. I guess, it changes, I mean, you know, doing doing some sort of like daily tarot meditation is pretty common for tarot practitioners. It sure is, yeah. But, um, but this added level of data um, makes you look at, so your, your tarot uh, contemplation then becomes something somewhat more holistic. Like it fits into a yes. continuum, right? Where you have sort of like this idea of what you have and have not seen combinations you're familiar with that you know you're familiar with you you might even be able to track out like seasonal changes in cards that you're pulling could do that could do that and i think it's really important because well you know i mean in the same way that it's important to draw a card of the day because after a while you get them all Mm -hmm. and then you'll never be afraid of any of them right Mm -hmm. you know and it's like if i've had the ten of swords multiple times i know what to expect and you know and i know what to do to to deal with it i know if i get the tower i have to be really careful about not hitting my head because i do that all the time when i get the tower (laughs) right so you know there's like trends that you can look for and there's um ways of working with things and there's also sympathetic magic you can do i mean it's very common for me to like go to the joann's and buy 10 needles if i get the 10 of swords right Mm -hmm. and then i literally will say in the parking lot the requirements have been fulfilled (laughs) you know to whoever's listening (laughs) i was listening to one of your episodes it was one of the major arcana episodes and you were talking about some card that you drew and how every time you drew this card you would like step in a puddle or something like that oh yeah the five of pentacles so yeah. um yeah that 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 lovely five of pentacles so but then I you talked actually, about what you did that yeah. day you're like i drew this card and every time i draw this card you know i do some blah 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 <laughs> blah blah blah, blah. Uh, and yeah. then you talked about like the stuff you did that day. I was like, hold on a second. If you know that that card means that, then why did you do those things? <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you have to live your life anyway, right? Yeah. But, you know, the other thing is that um, yeah, I know how many ways a card has to manifest because I've mm-hmm. seen it and I keep records. I've, you know, I can do a thing where there's a thing on my spreadsheet where you can enter the card and the and Excel will spit back every time it's come up and the spell I wrote for it, and the notes from that day, how mm-hmm. it manifested for four years. So I can tell if, you know, every single time I got one of those so-called disaster cards, the, you know, one of the, I don't know, Ten of Swords, Five of Pentacles, whatever, mm-hmm. I can tell if it really was a disaster. And quite often it's not. Quite often it's not. So Quite often it'll manifest in some 
kind of interesting, you know, synchronistic, different way. Like one time I got the five of pentacles and I was just like driving along, going to my teaching job and I was listening to a podcast Mm -hmm. and it was literally about, as it turned out, a prisoner whose name was five (laughs) and what he was doing. And, you know, and that card is all about being locked in and locked out of things. And it's obviously five. So, you know, stuff like that happens. And I always take it as a, you know, I mean, some people might argue, I suppose a materialist might argue that you can make anything fit anything. Mm -hmm. And then it means nothing. It's like, if we're all the best, then none of us are special. But it's (laughs) like, but I think, I think, you know, two things, at least. Um, One, that the act of hunting for meaning is universal, right? Mm -hmm. We have, and it can't be replaced by somebody telling you what something is, right? So you, you have to find your own meaning in the cards, and it's going to be personal to you, it's going to be different from other people's, and it's going to come back again and again until you find a way of dealing with it. So, you know, and the other thing is that um, I like to take it as, as I like to take the card of the day as when it comes up in a weird little synchronicity like that, it's like a tap on the shoulder, like pay attention to this because there's something in it for you, Mm -hmm. something you can learn that's useful to you that will change your head in some way for the better. So, yeah, almost like giving yeah. yourself a tarot reading. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, you know, and I think card of the day is so useful. I mean, because how many times a day, and this is an actual question, not a rhetorical one, how many times a day would you say that you're like slightly upset or slightly puzzled or slightly pissed off or, you know, or frustrated or angry mm-hmm. or I don't know what to do? You know, like 10? I don't know. Me, that's pretty uh, typical. Three, maybe three. <laughs> <laughs> what's your secret huge bag of weed <laughs> <laughs> oh man Susie if you if only you knew <laughs> no I mean or, in Oregon le- uh, weed is legal and um, yeah here too <laughs> I don't uh, I don't smoke it very much anymore so I don't either I do have a lot of weed but it never gets used it just sits in yeah fact, look right here I just have jars of it just sitting around on my shelves just <laughs> hanging out but uh <laughs> So, but my point is that, you know, we all have moments, right? Mm -hmm. And those moments are opportunities to have a conversation with the card and see what it can tell you. It's sort of like have a conversation with your best friend. If you don't have a best friend, you have a tarot card. If you don't have a tarot card, you know, it's like it's a way of talking to the best version of yourself and saying, okay, what's my advice? And I don't know, as a parent, maybe that's why my number is so high. There's like a million (laughs) times a day where I'm like... I fucked up, obviously. They're all going to turn out terribly. What do I do? And I'm like, oh, shit, what did I get today? And, you know, there's never a time when that doesn't at least shift my brain so I can think, rethink the problem and see if there's a, another way in I haven't thought of. Yeah, okay. Yeah. That's... I'm going to have to think about that for a little while. I mean, I, lo- I love all the stuff you're saying. It's really making me realize that I haven't been, I haven't been doing a card a day thing for a long time. Like I, <laughs> my, my daily tarot regimen has really, really dropped off, but I'm going to do it now. I might do two cards. Well, this is what's so interesting because I've noticed that, you know, I, I, I I'm just a huge believer in um, the intersection of divination and magic, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that a lot of the time we think that a, 
tarot card is nothing but a prediction tool, right? Right. You know, that you're going to like, oh, no, I got, you know, I, I, I got the devil today. Now my day is going to be shit. But no, but no, yeah. I mean, I, right? I, I honestly tend to be more in the introspection school for tarot than the divination school. And in mm -hmm. fact, even when I read for other people, a lot of times I'll tell them this is more about. I always tell them that this is more about the present than the future, probably. Yes, yes, I totally understand that. And I also think that, you know, reading for insight in general, as mm -hmm. opposed to prediction is really, really valuable. But at a certain point, you know, I feel like I get very tired of mm -hmm. internal readings because yeah. when when the rubber hits the road, I need advice. I need help. And I have an incredibly powerful tool and I'm going to use it. So okay, that's a good that's a good point. Yeah. That actually leads me into uh some questions that some of my listeners have asked. Uh mm -hmm. you're actually kind of already talking about it. So um Alex from the Alex cast, he wanted to ask you is tarot divination or psychology or both? And I think we both kind of just talked about that. But do you have any other thoughts on it? Well, I, I guess that's a really interesting question. And, you know, so when he says divination or psychology, what he's trying to do, I think, by expressing that question would be sort of making a... Um, making a distinction between uh, divination as a as an external predictive tool mm -hmm. versus something that takes place internally only right right yeah i think that's what he's getting at i think okay, that's what, what he's getting I, at I but yeah. is it a mm -hmm. false no so you're you it might be a false dichotomy well yes i mean i think that um i think one of my beliefs uh is that, you know, those that outside and inside is pretty porous, mm -hmm. right? You and know? maybe a lot of the times the line is not really even there. It might not even be porous. It might just be a spectrum. Right, right. And this is interesting because, you know, this is something that's very hard to explain in the muggle world, you know, where inside and outside are definitely not the same, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and I think, I think it's easier for people who do practice magic because you're used to sort of messing around with things and uh, erasing causality or ignoring causality and, you know, and, and, uh, fucking around with the linear nature of time so yeah. you know so i think so i think it's a little bit easier for people who are in the in the magic zone to to imagine that things are not always as clear-cut as they may seem and you know it's it's true uh, you know i mean i think the way we look at the world is so immensely flexible mm -hmm. you know the way we look at the world as uh as through you know in the most simplistic terms a negative or a positive lens is completely up to us and you know it's even if 
even if something incredibly challenging happening happens to us, there's always a better response and a worse response. And I feel like one of the things that tarot does is it helps you crack open the options for how you meet whatever it is that's coming your way. So it's kind of a, it's a door opener or a perspective widener, or maybe even like, um, Mm -hmm. a, uh, a different map. Maybe it's, it is. It's like and kicking, you know the, it's like kicking your GPS right in the face. <laughs> yes, I like that. I mean, I think the thing that's really important about tarot and, and in terms of like magicians working with tarot is that, you know, tarot gives you information, right? But you get to talk back. You get to have a conversation. You get to go in that zone and say, you know, uh, I got the three of swords and the six of coins today, the six of discs, mm -hmm. uh, pentacles, whatever you want to call them. And, mm. you know, that could be that could be hard. The three of swords. A lot of people find that a very sorrowful card. It's literally the Lord of Sorrow. Um, but, you know, one of the things I do every morning is write a spell to go with my card of the draw. And that's my way of negotiating. I'll say, okay, I know a lot of meanings for this card. Mm -hmm. And these are the ones I would like you to pick up on and work into my day. So. Oh, that's, you mentioned that earlier. I, I kept, I, I kept looking at my note being like, we have to go back to that. We have to go back to that. So yeah, yeah let's go, yeah. let's go back to that. So you, so every day you write a new spell. Mm -hmm. Every day, new spell. And are these and just sort of like um, mantra type spells, or do you look at the cards and? I look at the cards. You pull in and your I correspondences use, from your ginormous book. <laughs> you pull out the book, and you're like. <laughs> okay, so I'll give you my spell for today. Okay, okay so okay. I got the uh, the three of swords. This is medieval Scapini deck. Okay. I got the three of swords, and I got the six of coins. And okay. you know. As a as Wait, a writer, those, are, uh, those aren't just pip cards. Those are like oh no, and that's a Scipini. You said that's a beautiful deck. Medi medieval Scipini, yeah, yeah. It's a little. Um, it's it's one of those decks that's got so much detail, and my and I'm almost fifty, so it's a little bit hard for me to read. But um, but as you say, it's you know at some point you're reading. You're looking through the card, not at it anyway. Mm -hmm. So yeah. yeah. Anyway, so three of swords, six of coins. And um, here's my spell. I write them in couplets, but, you know, there are people in, uh, this has become a bit of a trend in the Fortune's Wheelhouse Academy group, so there's a lot of great spells people are writing. Some people do a single word, some people do a haiku, some people write prose, some people, like, write a, a rap lyrics this long, you know, everybody does it differently. I always do couplets because I can memorize it if I need to, and I can pull oh, it yeah. out, you know, in the middle of the day, and uh -huh. it's witchy. So um, <laughs> it is one... witchy. I've noticed that a lot. Of... <laughs> <laughs> okay, this one is uh, this one scans a little poorly, but here you go. With myself, I sign a deal to make imagined success real. This only works if you say success. <laughs> make imagined success real. Anyway, so what's going on there is that. Um, Three of Swords is Saturn mm -hmm. in Libra. Okay. Saturn happens to be exalted in Libra. Not this decan, but close enough. Mm -hmm. And um, and and it does very well. And one of the things that the Three of Swords represents to me, and in general, this decan, this uh, this configuration, this planet is contracts. 
signing contracts. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Saturn is the you know the person who well the the, the no, that totally <laughs> that makes is, sense because Saturn binds likes yeah. rules and boundaries and Libra is associated with justice. You've got it. That's totally exactly right. exactly. So so that's you know that's a meaning of the three of swords. That's not he broke my heart and left me to bleed out on the street. Right? Yeah. You know. <laughs> and uh, so Rotten way to spend your day. <laughs> Right, bad way to send, spend your day. Um, so, so that's that's something that uh, you know. Sometimes I'll use it to mean um, things that you can't unrealize mm-hmm. is also in the nature of this card. Oh, but anyway, yeah. so using contracts is pretty pretty common for me, and I have actually literally signed book contracts after getting this card in the past. So, mm-hmm. uh, so I know it works. So with myself, I sign a deal to make imagined success <laughs> real. So um, this is the Lord of Success, the Six of Pentacles. That's very, very simple. And you know. what's the decan for the Six of Pentacles? It's the moon in Taurus in the second decan of Taurus. So, and it's the best. It's 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 exalted in Taurus too. Actually, I didn't even think of that. Thank you for pointing that out because they're both exalted in their sign. Right, right. That's a, it's a very exalted day then, huh? <laughs> yes. And the other thing that's really funny is that it's raining right now, which is another thing I associate with the Three of Swords. So, uh, Well, you're lucky. It's like 90 degrees here. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. And, and the, thing, the reason I wrote that spell, the spell is, you know, I'll, there's only so much you can put into two lines. So sometimes it'll have correspondences. Sometimes it'll have... Um, something that's personally come up in the card quite often, especially if I'm doing Marseille decks, I will pick up on something visual in the card. I try not mm-hmm. to use correspondences as much with Marseille. It just doesn't jibe as well. Yeah. So, so yeah. And then, you know, you just pick up on what you see and, and what I was really trying to do with this was kind of to psych myself up because I had a real lot to do today. And, mm-hmm. you know, when, you know how it is, it's like, if you have something you have to write, Almost anything else seems better than writing it. So, oh god, so, I know. It, it's like you, you, know? you end up writing everything in the last half hour, no matter what. No matter what. No matter what. So, <laughs> you know, I, I actually I read for a, a, a Times best-selling author on Thursday of last week, and we were laughing because I've decided that the card of writers is the Nine of Swords. It's Ooh, the I'd like, like that. yeah, which yeah. is today. Which is last day of uh, Nine of Swords yeah. is today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. cool. Yep, 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 yep. Because it's mercurial, first mm-hmm. of all, it's gem. But also because it's sort of like that, I am holding all of this stuff in my head up here. That's why I'm holding my head, you know, and it's painful <laughs> and it's hard and it's always uncomfortable, but it's like democracy. It's the worst system. It's the worst <laughs> job in the world, except for all the others. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Right. So yeah. I really like. So so then, um, when you do the spell, do you just use it as sort of like a, like a mantra that you repeat to yourself throughout the day, or do you also find like an incense that goes with it, or like uh, oh, yeah. colors or yeah, anything yeah. like that? Well, it's part of like I have this whole ritual that happens in the morning. <laughs> my family calls it my hubba da hubba. Yeah. <laughs> 
Because <laughs> that's what it sounds like to them. Yeah. So I get up, I, except on the weekends, I get up at, um, you know, in the first planetary hour mm-hmm. of the day. So I literally, my schedule moves back with the, with the sunrise mm-hmm. and forward with the sunrise. It's a real pain in the ass right now because you only have till 6.30, 6.29 to get your rights in. Yeah, um, I think, I feel like a daylight savings time um, discriminates clothes. against pagans. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it totally it sucks and blows. Yeah, 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 yeah. So basically, so what I do is my my rides take about twenty minutes. I start by um, uh, let's see what what goes into it. So there's uh, I start by use I use a diffuser and I put some of my zodiacal perfume in it. Mm-hmm. So you know today's Monday, so the Cancer perfume goes in there, and then um, I take out some selenite. You mm-hmm. know. And uh, whatever the appropriate stone of the day is. And, oh, and I do sort of a modified version of the lesser banishing ritual. I used to do that, but I kind of felt like a jerk after a while. Not because I felt self-conscious, but because I felt like it didn't mean enough to me, personally. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, so, so I redid it. I pulled in a whole bunch of correspondences and wrote my version. Mm-hmm. So that's what I do. And uh, and then I say the Orphic hymn of the day mm-hmm. um, in Greek to well, whoever it is, mm-hmm. and uh, and then while they're there, mm-hmm. I uh, draw the cards. So, but the cards stay face down. So I'll I'll shuffle. I'll draw the cards. The planet presides over the drawing. The cards stay face down. Then I go and get the incense and I light the ancestors altar <laughs> and <laughs> go say hi to them for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, say thanks, say please keep up the good work, you know, mm-hmm. tell them whatever's on my mind, hope they care. And then um, and then after that, I have a little bit of a sort of a man of a credo that I go through, mm-hmm. you know, also my own sort of thing that basically has to do all everything I say has to do with brokering between, you know, determinism and agency between the idea that some things are given to you and some things you control and kind of trying to stand right there in that zone and blur the line as much as possible, Mm -hmm. but to recognize those two forces at once. So, um, you know, I accept, but I propose Mm -hmm. as well. So um, whatever the day has to offer, I'm going to work with it. And then uh, and then it's almost time to look at the cards finally. And this is always the climax of the right for me because you're standing there and you're like kind of just trying to squint, squint in case the backs are re- not reversible and you don't want to know, you know, mm-hmm. so you're, you know, and you're kind of like switching them back and forth. And and then so the, the most important thing I feel, the most important parts of my rights uh, come right before flipping over the cards, because at that point, I say um, this three part mantra that came to me in a dream one day, which mm-hmm. is within results are differences. Differences are offerings and offerings are results. So basically what that says is oh, wow. within the results of these cards, there are differences of interpretation, right? Mm hmm that anyone could experience. But differences are offerings. So the way that I interpret it is an offering to whatever it is, right? Right, right. To, to my negotiation with the universe. And offerings are results. <clears throat> so to, what, to the extent that I'm interpreting these cards, I'm creating a different result, right? That is a, that's a beautiful sort of 
Yeah, that's awesome. I can't take credit for it. I don't know where it came from. I woke up with it one day and I, you know, I was like, I better write that down. I don't know what it means. But anyway, it came from somewhere. (laughs) Uh, It came from something that was talking to you. I guess so. It's very, but it's really helped me kind of um, feel better about, you know, it's it's helped me feel like I'm winning the uh, the 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 perpetual fight against fatalism. Yeah, <laughs> that sense that you know yeah. you have some say in this. Yeah, it's one of those um, it's one of those things that you always have to deal with as a diviner of any sort. You know, whether it's sortilege or um, what do you call the opposite of sortilege? Non sortilege. Uh. <laughs> I don't know. The Dewey Decimal System. (laughs) (laughs) But regardless of what it is, you know, I was thinking about that as you're saying it. It's like you're almost, Mm -hmm. you're almost sort of a, because, you know, uh, astrological magicians um, Mm -hmm. tend to do astrological magic to overcome shortcomings in their own charts. Right. Mitigation. Yeah. Yeah. Mitigation. Mm -hmm. Um, And Mm -hmm. then in uh, like uh, Kabbalists will do, uh, will focus on, um, sort of like God traits that they lack the most. You know, they they try to uh, mm-hmm. listen more to the places where like the good inclination, the Yetzer Hatov is, mm-hmm. is quiet in order to maximize those parts of stuff. But all of it is done with this concept of, you know, freeing yourself from the shackles of fate. And, yes. And yes. yeah, and yes. it's, uh, it's, it's just so interesting that that theme repeats so often. It does. And mm-hmm. that's really cool. And the other thing that I that I really love about what you're doing, and I think that this is really important to, in any sort of practice, is mm. the fact that like you're sitting down and writing a spell. It's almost like practicing yeah. spontaneous prayer, right? Where you're sort of like, you know, I have to come up with this on the spot. I have important things that exactly. I have to say and do. And that's yeah. amazing. Well, this is something that, thank you, um, but I think it's something that... that uh, I sort of have picked up over the years just from listening to other magicians, really, you know, the idea that you come back from the dream time and you mm-hmm. render it concrete, right? Yeah. To make sure everyone understands that you're a person, you're agent, you're an agent in this world. You have um, reality and agency mm-hmm. by uh, by responding to what is given to you. And, and I'm also a great believer in trying to come up with more forms of improvisatory magic, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't, I don't practice that and I would like to, I sort of feel like it may be forever before I initiate in anything. So, because, you know, yeah. And uh, honestly, I'm not, 100% convinced that initiation is as necessary as uh, everybody has been saying it is since the Golden Dawn came around. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, I have immense respect for ceremonial magicians mm-hmm. and for people who, I mean, obviously, I mean, this book is nothing but, you know, I love you ceremonial magicians, but, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, um, I think it's, it's definitely uh, good to recognize that there are, well-trodden paths Mm -hmm. to getting the thing accomplished. There are many ones you can take. You can choose any one. My problem is that I can't choose. (laughs) There's too many. They're too interesting. I like them all. And 
in order, you know, I mean, if you talk to Chris Warnock, did you did you interview Chris Warnock? I can't remember. I have never interviewed Chris Warnock. I, oh, okay. I probably should. I, I would love to. He's, he's so he's like so he's a friend of mine and he's a Sufi mm-hmm. initiate. He's you know, he's 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 ha- he's a Shinto initiate. He's mm-hmm. a um, and he's a root worker root working initiate you know i mean he spent like 15 years on each of these which to me is like ideal right yeah don't have kids go and do something really seriously for a really long time and then come back and you should see his like office it's got like seven different shrines in different places because he keeps them all sort of compartmentalized yeah, anyway I mean, who's got that much I focus respect that. <laughs> <laughs> well that's the thing for most of us it's not going to happen and mm-hmm. you know i i don't really think it's just a question of ego for me i really don't think you know it's, it's not just that i don't want to do something i'm not going to get really good at all that i'm sure that's part of it i i want to do something that's really meaningful to me yeah right yeah it doesn't have to be something I inherited it, but it has to be something that is really true to myself and, you know, takes a little blood out of me every time I do it. So, you know, I have to find it in myself and in my history. And, you know, the tarot practice is definitely that. But um, but I'm always looking for other ways to figure out what what's meaningful for me. I understand totally what you're saying. I was trying to come up with some <laughs> some idiot. I'm picking up what you're laying down. I'm hip to yeah. your drive. <laughs> <laughs> so, so there's a, so do you read Terry Pratchett? Um, I believe I have read some Terry Pratchett, but I, he's, he yeah. wrote Discworld. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I so read one of those books. So Discworld things, there's a, um, there's a series he did about, um, a young witch named Tiffany mm-hmm. Aching. I loved it when my kids were small because I could read all these like young adult things and not feel, <laughs> you know, it was like I was doing it for them, but now I can't uh-huh. pretend anymore. I'm really just doing it for me. But, um. But anyway, so one of the things, he's kitty cat. You're gonna have to come down, sweetie. Well, let's let's meet your cat. Who's your cat? Oh, she um, she's my sister's cat, actually. But oh. my daughter won't let us give her back, so she's our cat now. I <laughs> <All> guess. <right. laughs> her name's Agatha. That's the good. good things. Yeah. Yeah. So um, so yeah. So so anyway, in these uh, in these in these novels about this young witch she does something that's so cool called a shambles so it's her form of divination and she always carries in her pocket just like random shit like paper clips and string and rubber bands and and um and uh something alive so she'll take an egg because that's technically alive mm-hmm. so she'll like like put this thing together right out of string and bird's nests and whatever else she could leaves whatever she can find on the road and hold it up and that's her divination right and i oh, think wow. that was like the, the coolest thing in the world you make it up as you go along right because that mm-hmm. i think is what magic probably was at one time right? yeah yeah absolutely i've done that i used to do that more than i do now but yeah i've done i've like made up divination systems when i needed them or um you know made up spells when it needed to happen or something but yeah that's yeah. Uh, that's interesting I think it's kind of an extension of like when you were little, you would say, okay, well, you know, if that light turns green, by the time I count to three, then X, right? Mm -hmm. You know, or if I, you know, jump over a crack, break your mother's back, that kind of thing. You know, that's sort of like little superstitions that kids have. And I think that there's, there's something fundamentally profound about those sort of ways of just taking um, magic out of the built or natural environment around you and doing things with it. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, and I, that's something I'd really like to be able to do. I think that there are probably, um, you know, 
I mean, I think that true psychics, people who are clairs, you know, don't need to do that kind of thing because they just get the information Mm -hmm. just by listening or whatever. But for those of us who are not gifted with that and who are, you know, instead interpreters, Mm -hmm. you know, I think we have to make up our own systems of interpretation to some degree. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with you there. Yeah. All right, I have I have a couple more questions that my listeners have sent in, and this one is kind of related to uh, all the stuff we've been talking about. Um, one of my Patreon people, Kevin Carlo, he uh, received an abstract art deck called the Visible Lexicon. Neat. And he was very skeptical about it. He's like, "This doesn't look like tarot. This doesn't look like anything." And then he gave a reading, and it was incredibly accurate. And mm-hmm. he was very shocked, and so. It, Afterwards, he was sort of like, well, is it the reader or is it the cards? <laughs> yeah, is it the reader or is it the cards? That's always the thing. I feel like I should have a potted answer to that because I think about it all the time, but I don't. And the thing is that I think, you know, in the context of a reading where there's a person in front of you and there's mm-hmm. you, I feel as though it's almost like, it's almost like, a negative pressure current gets set up. You know, there's like, there's a gradient or there's momentum or there's like a, a magnetism or a, co- a conductivity where, where, you know, because there's the need and there's the willingness on the other side, the information arrives in that space, right? Mm-hmm. In the, in the willingness to help and the need to be helped. But same thing, um, Same thing when you're reading for yourself, in a sense. It's sort of like when you're clearing your mind, when you're entering into that state of negative capability, that's when the information comes. So so I think it's neither the reader nor the cards, but it's both, right? It's sort of like... Yeah. Right? So Because if you take the performer and you take the instrument, neither of them is the music, right? Oh, yeah. That's actually... I think that it should be your potted answer. That's, an, that's a pretty good answer. No, right? I think that's a great answer. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was just thinking about it. Like I, you know, I do these events where I do like 20 tarot readings in a night and it's exhausting. That's, and yeah. part of it is exhausting and beyond the, just the fact that I've got to talk for like five hours straight. You know, part of it is yeah, right. something gets like <laughs> sucked out of me. I know. And I so, know. It is, it's wild and it's strange. And I thought it was not, I didn't believe it at first when I started yeah. doing that because it was such a weird feeling. I mean, you've ne- you never had felt anything like that before, right? Right. So now I use I use yeah. a, I use a spell now. I have a sp- oh, I have like really? I have like magic that I do to provide yeah, energy. Yeah, like magical hazmat suit. Yeah, or to, or <laughs> or at least like something that will bring energy from somewhere that isn't me in order to. Mm-hmm make the reading work and so at first I was do you load like, that up beforehand or after or how do you I do how it do you for do every reading before each reading i just i've shortened it down into something really brief and easy and it probably makes the people that i'm reading for go what the hell's going on which probably oh, before each reading or oh before yeah the... yeah right wow. with the person sitting right there they probably tip me better just because of it <laughs> wait hey hang on if you're doing it in front of those people you can do it for me so what is it <laughs> uh well i use a line out of the sefer yetzera Mm-hmm. which is Yetzer Matohu Mamash, which um, is basically... So the Sefer Yetzera is really interesting in that it can be read as an imperative, like a command, or it can mm-hmm. be read as, a, you know, he did this. But if you read that part mm-hmm. as a command, it's basically mm-hmm. saying, 
create form from chaos. That's amazing. Yeah, That's amazing. So, what, uh, what, what, what uh, chapter is it in? Oh, geez. That's a good question. Oh, you've got it right there. Yeah, you, yeah. Sorry, I'm nerding out. You like posted out. a picture earlier today with a Sephiroth <laughs> on your desk. Uh, let's see. I believe it's probably chapter three because it's once it starts talking about Tohu Abohu. Okay. Oh, you know what? I've got my Sephiroth right here too. Yeah, I'm just so curious because that sounds, you know, I go up and down the tree for for as my sort of like. Uh, opening and closing before reading too, but but I, I've never actually used any kind of um, logos from the from the Savior Yatsira to do it. And that sounds interesting. Um, it's 2-6. 2-6, okay. Yatsu Well, I mean, it's it's a little out of order because I took the, that particular line from a Victoria uh, Hana song. Um, ah, substance out of chaos. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, uh, he formed substance out of chaos, and then um, uh, Yetzer Mamash uh, Matohu. Uh, ah, Matohu. Okay, I see yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So I just use that uh, and just imagine some sort of. I imagine that the card. So I do it after the cards are shuffled. Right before mm-hmm. I draw anything, and I just sort of imagine like uh, there is some sort of energy that wants to create a form out of the chaos that is in front of me. I will let mm-hmm. that do the work. <laughs> that's brilliant. I love that. That's you're, you're fantastic. Welcome to use yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll consider it. I'll consider it. So you know, one of the things that's really funny is that I I only started doing sort of public readings in the last like three years, and uh, I started. Just because I I wanted to have an applied uh, portion to all this theoretical stuff, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, um, I mean, I was reading for friends and whatnot, but it wasn't quite doing it. So I needed, (laughs) I call it my temple harlot practice. I needed to like go out there and like be with the public and where it really matters, right? Mm -hmm. Where people really have needs. So, uh, so, So I started doing it. At this place, which is uh, where I still do it in in Northampton, called In Spirit Crystals, it's mm-hmm. a it's a crystal shop, a New Age shop. And when I walked in there, I was like, "Oh my God!" You know, this place is absolutely full of rocks from you know mm-hmm. top to bottom, every single wall. I know nothing about rocks, but they're the ones who need a reader, and I need a place to read. Mm-hmm. So we can probably come to an agreement. And so, so you know, for the first year there. I never touched a rock. I was just like, those are pretty. I see that you believe they have properties. That's wonderful. Mm-hmm. You know, and then, but after a while, I would find myself sort of like wandering out of the reading room and like going towards the tourmaline, like over and over again. Like, I really just need to hold that rock for a while. I, you know, we're not going to, we're not going to interrogate this real hard, but I'm just going to go over be by that rock for a while. And then after a while, you know, I started reading the little signs and I started like looking for rocks that could help. And now it's like, there are times when if I've been there and I've done like 12 readings in a row, I will stagger out to the rocks and I will grab the thing mm-hmm. and I'll be like, just give me a moment. You know, <laughs> I, I found that um, for clearing out afterwards, I'll mm-hmm. use uh, like a 
wicked large blade of kyanite and like a lump of hematite seems to clear everything out really fast. I don't know why. I don't know. I don't get it, but it does. So I'll take whatever works, you know? You know, I haven't really used um, crystals with or or rocks with with tarot reading very much, but um, I keep thinking that I should. So maybe I'll maybe I'll experiment. That might be next. It's fun to experiment. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel very lucky that I've like have this place where I can try stuff out and see what works for me. You yeah. Because there's lots of things that don't. But but um, but yeah, it's really it's really interesting, and I'm I'm glad that uh, I will never I will never look down on anybody who needs a crystal to help themselves along. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, me neither. I mean, rocks are cool. Rocks are cool. Um, yeah, but I was also thinking, you know, when we were talking about is it the reader, is it the cards, mm. you know, a lot of my decks, you know, I, I, well, first of all, if I take a deck that I'm going to be used, that I'm going to use for reading with another person, it's got to be a deck that's really easy to read. But then I've got this deck, uh, the one that I have sitting out, the the Alchemical Tarot from uh, mm-hmm. Robert Place, you know? Robert Place, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, Great guy. And this is the first edition that I won in a weird raffle a long time ago. <laughs> and I love it. I love this deck. Uh, but the it's problem beautiful. is, it's so beautiful. Yeah. I get the weirdest readings with it. And mm-hmm. weird, and and. I don't consider myself a very superstitious person, which I suppose probably is fake since I'm a <laughs> magician and stuff. But um, that's a whole nother stuff. ball of wax. Man. I know <laughs> yeah, weird yeah. stuff happens around this like deck what? when I'm reading with it. I it just like I'll get readings that are statistically impossible. Like mm-hmm. I will pull wands a zillion times in a row, even though I've shuffled the deck really well. And be like, what the heck is going on? Or I'll get like readings that just they, and sometimes they make sense, but mm-hmm. the fact that it only happens with this deck just interesting baffles me. And then sometimes have you, even, have you ever asked the deck? I mean, I probably should. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> um, I might have. I might have. I'll have to look back through my notes. Yeah. I've had this deck. I've yeah. had this deck for a very, very long time. Like I yeah. think since maybe two thousand four or something. Yeah. Um, but uh, once I was reading for a friend, I was over. Well, I, I was I was with a, a small group of friends over at over at one of their houses, and um, and one of them was there that I just met. She wanted a tarot reading. I was like, all right, cool. I've got my favorite deck with me. So I pull it out. I shuffle it. I do the reading, and I do like a like a five card reading or something. All cups. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what happened? Did I not shuffle well enough? Did I shuffle wrong? And the minute mm-hmm. I'm just sort of, I'm being so baffled by this, another friend who is standing there wa- watching just faints, falls over. <laughs> and I'm like, all right. Wow. 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 <laughs> yeah. So, so, and then it just, it just kept happening where, where, I mean, people didn't kept, keep fainting. That would be super weird. Um, that would be weird. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> once is enough. <laughs> um, yes. But just yes. the, the, the readings would end up like I would just get stuff off of it that that was you know too deep to talk to a random stranger about or too too like mm. intense to really bring up. Or I'd look at the cards and be like, I don't want to even talk about that. You know, it, it would be sometimes so, you have to sort of like just I mean, especially in a real party setting where you're mm-hmm. churning through them every five minutes. Sometimes you you just have to kind of be quite discreet about what you say and hope that. Mm-hmm. They get the message without your words. <laughs> you yeah, know? yeah, I've, I've seen that before. Well, so anyhow, yeah. I, don't, I don't take that out 
to reuse yeah. anymore. I'll read for people that I know really well or people who specifically yeah. come to me and request that deck. But um, yeah. otherwise, I... What I really like hidden. about reading, I mean, one of the things I really like about reading, and, I, and I'm sure you experience this too, is like the you you have to get to know someone really well, really fast. Mm-hmm. You know, it's sort of like you instantly get a download of what you think they are, but you know, you need to be able to communicate them and give them something they can use in a language they can understand. And to me, that is just fascinating, you know, because you get all different kinds of people. Yeah. And sometimes it kind of feels like cold reading, you know, sometimes you're sort of like, Mm. well, hopefully this means something to you. And you just start (laughs) reading what the cards are. Because a lot of my readings are, especially when I do (laughs) events, they're, they're like, you know, 10 minutes. You gotta, you gotta really get to some meat fast. And it's, um, it can be really tricky. I mean, I will just be like up front and say, you know, does that make any sense to you? Does that resonate with you in any way? Because if it doesn't, I could be wrong. But, you know, it's like the more that they're willing to engage in it as a conversation, the more they're going to get out of it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, specific questions get specific answers is the way I see it. But it's really interesting, though, because, you know people go in with all different kinds of motivations. You see people who are like just there for fun. And some people have like, you know, are having the worst year of their lives. Right. You know? <laughs> oh man. It's or the people who, who are like, can you tell them, tell me if I've got cancer? And I'm like, no, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> not for 10 bucks. <laughs> yeah. 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 I know. But the, the thing that really keeps me doing it is just recognizing that, you know, whatever people come for, mm-hmm. I have needed that myself, right? Yeah. You know, everybody has some issue that's of pressing importance to them. And, you know, just I have this like tool with all the keys. Mm-hmm. You know, why wouldn't I help if I can, right? You know, right, why wouldn't right. I try and use it? It just makes me better at doing it or better at like bringing answers out of it and I don't, I don't feel like you can ever get enough practice although you can yeah. get very very tired yeah yeah that's, that's absolutely true <laughs> yeah yeah so okay so then the answer is it divination or psychology is it's both and the answer mm-hmm. is it the reader is it the cards is it's both <laughs> it's neither it's neither it's really neither. Yeah. okay it's neither yeah. Um, yeah. okay so now alright I have a uh, let's bring everything back further down into uh, Malchut for a second okay um, because uh, uh, Kelsey Sky asked if you had any practical advice on how one might go semi-pro with uh, tarot reading cardamancy mm-hmm. um, and I you know, I mean, I guess I'm kind of semi-pro at it, yeah. too. And my first I think answer, you get to say pro. You're doing events. Yeah, but, you know, like, you know. I think pro just means you get paid. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so, I mean, like, my, you know, I, my answer is, like, I have no idea how I got started doing it and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, what would you say? How did How did you get started? Well, literally just by strolling into this store and mm-hmm. saying, I would like to read for you. Do you have an opening? And they happen to. It was so one of those. Basically, yeah. cold call sort of. Yeah. It's like if you know of a place like, OK, so if you live in a town where there is a store where sometimes mm-hmm. there's a reader, chances are they could use more time you know, mm-hmm. more hours for a reader. Um, you might be able to do it there. Um you could um, actually something I did when I was 
in um, New York when I, I forgot. I, I did read for money in New York a little bit. I lived in Hell's Kitchen for a while, and I Oof. had an arrangement with a, uh, with a coffee shop proprietor where uh-huh. she would let me come in on Tuesday nights and just set up shop, and people could come and read with me, and I would just work for tips, and I would just say, you know, have a little sign that said, you know, recommended amount kind of a thing. <laughs> but, you know, but that was a really great way because literally if you sit in a public place and you have your cars out, people will come. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, make it a regular night, put a sign in the window. If you can, you know, just get the owner to say, yes, I would be okay with that. I think it would bring business, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you can find the right person, then you can kind of get your toes wet that way. Yeah, I think that's a good way to do it. I think that's actually pretty good advice. I guess, I, yeah. you know, now that you mentioned it, that's the way... That's kind of the way I got started is there was a mm-hmm. um, a wine shop, a wine bar not too far from here where I just went in and I was mm-hmm. like, hey, can I hang out here on Fridays until business really picks up? Yeah. And just yeah. Yeah. I think that there's something that's, you know, bars are really great for tarot readings. And there are some people who will just do that. Like if they're on a flight or something, they'll just go in a bar and take out their cards and some, you know, and people will ask mm-hmm. about them. But I think there's something about tarot that's like being a bartender or a taxi driver or a hairdresser, right? You mm-hmm. know, there's there's a there's a there's something that's outward facing about the role, right? Yeah. That people are uh, gravitate towards, and uh, yeah. Do you have a uh, tarot reading outfit that you wear? You know, I used to, and now I don't because, um, because I I first of all, <laughs> well. For a little while, it was because of cultural appropriation issues. But now, you know, I mean, for Christ's sake, you know, that's <laughs> we all study everything, mm-hmm. right? You yeah, know, so yeah. it's it's complicated. So, but I, I also, I also don't necessarily want to be someone who's not me, right? You right. know, for this job, I need to be really who I am. So, you know, the only thing I'll do is that sometimes I'll like, you know, uh, make sure I'm wearing something that's appropriate for the planetary day jewelry that's appropriate for the planetary day and hour, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of thing, you know, that's about the extent of it. I think a lot of the time I sort of feel like I can't be serious unless I'm serious. You oh, know? Yeah. yeah. I know what you mean. I- <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, we've been talking for a while now and even when I, <laughs> take out all of my ums my (laughs) (laughs) so i do have one last question this is another question from alex okay um, from the alex cast he asks Mm -hmm. why is baphomet the devil oh okay so i think well i I think you guys talked about that in um you interviewed him recently is that yeah 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 he's gonna be that that you listened to it (laughs) yeah 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 yeah. no i I heard it and and i thought oh oh i know the answer to that and plus i uh was just writing about the devil yesterday two days ago today i did no Today I did the tower, so it must have been yesterday. Yesterday I was writing about the devil, so I happen to just have boned up on this as it happens. Where um, are you publish? Did you publish that online somewhere? Oh or- no, no, no! This is for uh, so basically we're under contract. Fortune's Wheelhouse is under contract with Llewellyn for a book, Ooh. so it's basically the podcast but between covers. That's so awesome. I'm writing. Yeah, we're each writing 750 words per card right now. I do. So the reason all of this is, you know, I'm posting all these grouchy writer 
you know, photos because we each are trying to churn out mass quantities every day. And Mel is doing the astrology, the myth, and the thoth symbolism. I'm doing the Kabbalah, the related cards within the deck, and the Rider Waite Smith symbolism. So we're each doing <laughs> 250 words of each, and it's just like, you know, nose to the oh, grindstone. Dang. So that's a lot yeah. of work. It's a lot of work, but it's very interesting. It's consistently mm-hmm. interesting. And, you know, 250 words is actually not that much. I mean, you can, by the, the way I get distracted, it's like, it's not even worth getting distracted because mm-hmm. it's only 250 words. So it's actually quite effective as a, you know, quantity. So as far as Baphomet goes, so yes, um, your conjecture on your previous podcast was correct. It is due to Eliphas Levy, um, the French occultist whom you mentioned, and it was in... Um, uh, uh, Dogme Rituel de la Haute Magie, I think. I think it's on, anyway. my, it's on my shelf, like right there. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, what happened was that, so he did, this is, this is one of those instances of esoteric conflation. Mm-hmm. He drew this, uh, th- this really quite striking image. He really had a gift for getting people's attention. This very really stri- quite striking image of the of a horned goat mm-hmm. and uh, on a block, and uh, and he called it with the with the inverse the the Avers pentagram, mm-hmm. and he called that the goat of Mendes. And the thing is that the goat of Mendes it's complicated. It's uh, it's it's from a uh, it's there was a cult in a village in Egypt called Mendes, but its actual name is like Jedjeti or something like that. Mm-hmm. And the uh, the cult animal was not a goat, but a ram. Anyway, so, you know, sometimes esotericists of before the internet had trouble getting the right information. Anyway, so this was his horned goat of Mendes, mm-hmm. which he took to... Um, which he described uh, as as um, being this sort of like fertility figure. All of the things that we associate with the devil, right? Both the sort of like um, the 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 sort of sinister connotations, and also the sort of generative. Interesting. Here's the cat. Uh, Notation. Hey, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and so that was um, something that we definitely see. Uh, influences on the Rider Waite Smith mm-hmm. devil. So you see a little bit of, you know, I mean Tarot de Marseille, you also see these this hybrid figure, but this this whole like horned perching goat person with the star thing, that's straight from Levy. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. And, you know, and the Satanists God bless their little hearts. You know, they they saw this picture and they really loved it. So you know, and they it's said, a great this is picture. It's really a great picture. Creepy. Yeah. So they just adopted that and you know and decided to make it part of their practice. And of course, you know the the Avers pentagram with the four points over the one. That's matter over spirit as mm-hmm. opposed to spirit over matter. So which is you know, the devil's symbolic. whole thing. Yeah. Right. Right. That's one way of putting it. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, but uh, yeah, the devil gets gets a bad rap but it's really interesting when you think about like in hermetic kabbalah well the how the uh the devil's path is uh 
comes out of Tiferet, you know, and goes to Hod, and the Death One goes to Netzach. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's they mirror each other, so it's sort of like the Lord of the Gates of Matter and the Lord of the Gates of Death are opposite each other, and the the de- the Devil card is like the ensoulment uh, of the flesh, like trapping mm-hmm. the flesh inside. You know, trapping the spirit inside the flesh, and the death card is releasing it. So there's like this sort of like synergy between them. Anyway, uh, oh, I could yeah. go on. That's but... that's that's clever. Uh, that does yeah. remind me. Of, you know, <laughs> speaking of um, those two cards, I was thinking of uh, the Hanged Man, which was yeah. your most frequent card last or this year, last year in that chart you sent me. This year, I think. The this Hanged year, Man I... is kind of way yeah. up there. Uh, yeah. The Hanged Man is the initiation card. Oh, that makes sense. Yes. So maybe yeah. that's why you're thinking about it so much. I think I'm always thinking about it, but <laughs> but you, you know, I really, yeah. Uh-huh. Have, have you yeah. read? Um, oh, I can't remember the name of the book. It's something like uh, the occult history of tarot. It's kind of a big black book. It's uh, I'll, I'll send you the link later. Um, mm. But these uh, these two historians basically go through all this tarot stuff from the 19th century. Is it a, is it a decade and dumber book? Yes. Decker and Dummit? Decker and Dummit. Not Decker and Dummer. De- <laughs> Dumb and Decker. Dumb and Dummer. <laughs> Dumb and Decker. It's, it's a great book. It's, it's Yeah, I don't have it. I've taken it out from the library, but I don't own it. I probably should. But yeah, they're um, great. They've got I've a actually, great section on the Hanged Man. They wrote the book for Medieval Scapini, which I'm using right now, oh, Art and okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah, no, they're terrific. Yeah, yeah well, their, their whole bit on the Hanged Man talks about how, um, how uh, so much of the early interpretation of that card had to do with... Um, sort of the initiatory symbolism symbolism of it and how it was definitely a card of initiation. Um, oh, for sure. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, you know, my favorite pop culture hangman is the one I'm always talking about where, you know, it's Luke Skywalker in the ice cave on Hoth. You oh, know? where he finally learns his superpowers. Yes, exactly. That's directly taken from the hangman because yeah. Campbell, you know, uh-huh. advised on those films. Right. So yeah. it's yeah. it's a really great sort of just accessible example. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, thank goodness his superpower was telekinesis instead of singing. <laughs> Armpit parts. <laughs> Would have been a short movie. <laughs> yeah. Hey, well, we didn't even get to talk about your sewing, which is like amazing. That well, I can't believe you made a whole robe. It, uh, it was not just sewing a robe we it was like we made the whole pattern and everything we went from scratch like i literally hardcore man i went in there with like just a towel robe sort of thing and the lady who was helping me she looks at it she's like no no we're not doing that i'm like okay (laughs) (laughs) it was a huge intense effort it was basically like that video of your um of making the arcana case arcana (laughs) case uh just larger Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. yeah, those yeah, arcana yeah. those arcana cases are really uh, impressive looking, and the pattern that you use and the amount of work that goes into each one of them is well. Yeah, I mean it's pretty ridiculous, but I've gotten it kind of down to more of a science now. Since then, I don't hand draw every template onto mm-hmm. interfacing like I did in that video. I now uh, am able to print it out of Photoshop onto the interfacing in my printer so Mm -hmm. which mostly works except for when i jam the printer which yeah yeah. really um but yeah it works pretty well and now i'm making them with magnets this one is uh this is a teeny tiny one that's um 
neodymium magnets. This one's for uh, Jay Swafford's Picatrix decks. Which oh, really? You made me get. Oh, <laughs> yes. oh, please send me a picture yeah. of that. Jay, Jay will love it. He will be it's tickled. Fantastic. It's yeah. fantastic. It's um, fantastic. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Uh, yeah. So I have a yeah. That's. Have you used uh, rotary cutters? I, you know, the, for the stuff that I do, it's such tiny precision work that I don't think a rotary cutter would uh, work. Yeah, that's probably true. You might Plus, want to... there's no standard size. There's only two standard sizes, which like maybe 40% of customers get. Most people are getting custom sizes for their decks. Oh. So everything has to be cut to different. Everything you know. has to be custom made. Designed, yes. Yeah. Well, that's the reason I made the video is to make people understand that the reason it's a high end, you know, offering is because it's my time. It's mm-hmm. not necessarily, you know, I mean, yes, the materials are beautiful and I, you know, I only use the best, but it's really the time it takes to make them. Mm-hmm. Sort of like, you know, when you get something from a talismanic jeweler, it's about the time and energy that goes into that, oh, yeah. you know, not about necessarily the materials per se. Right. So, makes sense. Yeah. All right. Well, we uh, we should we should wrap up. I know that there's like I know ten, I could talk to you all day. We didn't even we didn't even talk about your book. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going anywhere. <laughs> I hope Luella doesn't listen to this and uh, char- no. charge me afterwards. Like you didn't even talk about the book. Send us somebody. <laughs> Return the book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but why don't you tell people uh, some good places to find you online? I suspect right. that this is sort of the part where everybody gets to the podcast. They're like, oh, it's all the show like, I'm skipping. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's just, it's mostly all at tsusanchang.com. Everything okay. is sort of there. Um, that's sort of the central clearinghouse where I have the book. I have the uh, podcast, the perfumes, the cases, the videos, and uh, and the online tarot course, which is really a lot of fun. Um, and, mm-hmm. and, and a good counterbalance to the whole technical correspondence thing. It's meant to teach anyone to read tarot out of their own everyday lives. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, it's sort of like, you know, this is, uh, I didn't go on my hobby horse about reading tarot backwards, but, but basically I believe everything in life is in the tarot deck, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, that cat walking across my desk should be in tarot as well it's probably you know off the top of my head i might say the queen of wands because oh, you know I, might, even, might even wands. be a five of pentacles depending on what the cat steps on could, be, could absolutely be Ooh, but eight of no, cups or, uh, you know there's walking and cups. a lot of there's, like sort of emotional distance <laughs> oh and there could be it could be um uh it could be five of wands as i'm like first because it's leo but also because i'm like contending with her trying to knock over all my pens and pencils and stuff so uh so that could be it anyway it could uh, even be the chariot you know where the cat uh, imagines yeah. that the entire world is revolving around it but it's still sort of a warlike <laughs> destructive card oh it could be the strength where the woman and the lion are like you know Trying to negotiate with each other. Each one thinks they're an all-powerful being. Man, cats are confusing. Cats are interesting. So anyway, so that's the premise of the course, that everything in your life can be translated into tarot. It's just a question of turning it into your own personal language. So that's the living tarot, and that's on uh, tsusanchang.com. Okay. And then um, besides tsusanchang.com, there is, there are, there is, there are two different other... <laughs> there are two other websites. Uh, one is the Fortune's Wheelhouse 
website, which is www.patreon.com slash fortunes wheelhouse. And then the last one is my Etsy shop, which has the comprehensive line of everything um, that I make, which is www.etsy.com slash shop slash tarotista. Okay. I will make sure that there are links to all of those. And also you're on Twitter and Instagram. Or, I am, you know, I yeah. am on Twitter. I'm, it's like, I, I'm, I, I am on Twitter and Instagram. Oh shit! I just shuffled Jay's deck. I didn't. I, I like to keep it in order. Fuck. Sorry, I just automatically <laughs> did, did you that. Just, uh, you had an instinct shuffle. <laughs> I know. It's just like this. This deck was in my hand. What do you do with the deck? <sighs> okay, it's only thirty six <laughs> cards. Anyway, you um. Yeah, so I don't tend to post on Twitter. I just, you know, um, like things occasionally. I only have just gotten onto Instagram, and I like it a lot. Um, but the main place to find me is on Facebook, uh, mainly on Facebook on the Fortunes Wheelhouse Academy page. I hang out there all the time. Okay, that's where all of that's not that's an un- officially unofficial fan page, but. Um, but I'm just basically there all the time. I post every spell there. You know, it's a wonderful, kind, nice, smart group of people doing spells every day and like mm-hmm. talking about uh, esoteric correspondences. Uh, and then, uh, but I'm T. Susan Chang there. I'm T. Susan Chang on Twitter. I'm T. Susan Chang on Instagram, just like your Arna Mancy everywhere. Yeah. That's good. It's branding. It's it's powerful. It's branding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much. This was a lot of fun and uh, hopefully yeah. we'll do it again one of these days. We oughta. We oughta. <laughs> thank you for listening to the Arnamancy podcast. You can find me online at arnamancy.com where you can schedule a tarot reading or peruse the Arnamancy blog. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher. If you like this podcast, support it for just $1 a month through Patreon at patreon.com slash arnamancy.